Take your Bibles with me this morning and open them to the book of Ruth. (coughs) Book of Ruth in chapter 3. And we've been, as we've been studying this third chapter, we've been looking for some weeks now, verse 11. And Lord willing, we'll conclude our thoughts from verse 11 this morning. Reading verse 11. And now my daughter, Boaz speaking, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Last week we were considering this last phrase, all my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman, a testimony that Ruth had. He could have simply said, for we know of your testimony. But he went on to say that thou art a virtuous woman. We said that Ruth's virtue was manifest in a circumspect conduct in reference to the young men. That her virtue was apparent in her obedience to her mother-in-law. Her virtue led to an honorable marriage. And possessing in Israel. So that all her virtue, her virtue was acknowledged by all in that city. Bethlehem of Judea. Ruth we said may have been a Moabite. And she was. She was a Moabitess. But she was a transformed Moabitess. She was a changed Moabitess lady. And so she had a godly testimony. We said that virtue meant virtuous woman that is spoken of and and virtuous here concerning Ruth and and virtue in in scriptures talks about strength and not human strength but spiritual strength strength that's given by God and so we concluded our thoughts that week with as children of God We're to manifest spiritual strength and courage as as members of the Lord's church. 
We're to manifest spiritual strength and courage from God that, that identifies us with God. This morning, and, and we told you last week that what we would be speaking on this week, it's a, you might say it's a, uh, the second part that we want to look at, but of, of a good testimony, and that, well, what comes from having a good testimony? <laughs> well, good name. It's, it's implied here in, in the verse, Ruth had a good name. She had a good testimony, a good name. And a good name is something that we all need. Ruth had a, a good testimony and a good name, which was the result of God saving her. And you and I, if, if God has saved us, if He's called us out of Moab, called us out of Egypt, called us out of the world... We're to have a good testimony. And with that good testimony comes a good name, a godly name. <laughs> you see, we have other examples in the scriptures, but before we get to them, turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 22. In the first verse of chapter 22 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. <laughs> A good name is more preferable to be chosen. See, Ruth chose to identify with God. Ruth chose to identify with the people of God. And, and Ruth, in identifying with the people of God, she lowered herself. She, she lowered herself and submitted herself to their customs and to their laws and to their manner of life. Turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1 says a good name is better than precious ointment. The thought of precious ointment was a costly ointment that was only, only used and, and, and put on in special occasions, special parties, special banquets. A good name is better Van riches and wealth. What are we seeking after? Are we seeking to have a good name rather than wealth and the fine things, so to say, uh, so to speak, of this life?
We said, we're going to look at some examples. Turn with me to the book of, of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel in chapter 18. And this here is spoken concerning David. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 30 said, Then the princes of the Philistines, know who, who was speaking this? The princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by, so that his name was much esteemed. He had a good name. Why? Because his manner of life, his behavior was a wise behavior. More wise than all the servants of Saul before him. First Kings. Now that's said concerning David, and, and we know concerning David that God said concerning David that he was a man after his own heart. Well, look at 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 47. David is an old man now, and he's weak and feeble and about to pass off the scene. And God had told him that Solomon was to reign in his stead, and he'd chosen Solomon, but Adonijah thought that, that it just naturally was going to fall to him and he set himself up and was going to be king and so forth, but, but David anointed Saul, and, or Solomon and, and, and the priest came and anointed Solomon and set him up king and prayed and, and now messengers are going to Adonijah and telling him what has taken place and that Solomon is king that, that David has put his blessings on Solomon and that the priest has anointed him king in the land and this is the prayer that they're praying that messenger says to Adonijah in verse 47 and moreover the king's servants came to bless our Lord King David saying God make the name of Solomon better than thy name and make his throne greater than thy throne. And the king bowed himself upon the bed. You see, they came to bless King David. and, and oh, How did they bless King David? By saying, you know, your name is great and we're praying to the Lord that it make even Solomon's name even greater. In some ways, we might think of looking at it from a physical standpoint that maybe Solomon did have a greater name, known as the wisest man upon the earth, but Scripture doesn't say concerning Solomon like it did David, that he was a man after God's own heart. No, we see the end of Solomon's reign, his heart was turned from God. Had too many women in his life. He was a wise man, but he had a problem with matters of the heart, didn't he? You see, 
So David had a good name. A good name is better to be chosen than wealth and riches. It's more precious than precious ointment. Cornelius. Turn with me to the book of Acts in, in chapter 10. Look at what the word of God says about a Gentile. But he's a Gentile who God had changed his heart so that he has a good name in chapter 10 and verse 2 says concerning Cornelius he says and this, notice this is before that he went to Peter before that Peter spoke to him before that Peter baptized him and he received he and those Gentiles that were saved received the baptism of the Holy Spirit says a devout man and one that feared God with all his house which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always I'll tell you what I want a name like that don't you it said that I was a devout man one that feared God gave much alms to the people. Look at verse 22. It said concerning him. And, said, and they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feared if God, and of good report among all the nations of the Jews. This was a, a Gentile centurion, Roman centurion. And yet he had a good name. Among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Well, we have another, well, I guess we would say half breed in today's terminology in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. The 16th chapter, verse 1, said, Then came he to Derbe, that is, Paul, and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, Timothy, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed. But his father was a Greek. Now as we read verse 2, I mind you that the subject is Timothy. Not his father or his mother. The subject is Timothy. Which was well reported of by the brother. That is, Timothy was well reported of. He had a good reputation among the brethren. Among those who were saved. Those who were followers of Jesus Christ, those who were in the Lord's church that were at Lystra and Iconium. You see, he had a good name. He had a good reputation. What's our reputation? What's mine? What's yours? Do we have a good name? 
Another we find in, in the 22nd chapter. Actually, you could find him in the 9th chapter of the book of Acts as well, but uh, this one, this passage uh, emphasizes the good report, the good name, the good reputation that Ananias had. Not Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> that Ananias is, is dead in the ground. You see. But this is Ananias, pastor of, well, some believe that he was pastor at, at the church at Damascus. Verse 12 of the 22nd chapter, And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews was dwelt there. And, and listen, if you were a Jew, that's the way they measured every man. They measured every man by the law. What kind of name did Ananias have? <laughs> he had a good name. He, he measured up in the Jews' mind to the requirements of the law. He behaved wisely. He had a good life, a good reputation, had a good name. Another one we find in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 8. Actually, we've we find three men here besides Paul. Verse 16 of the 8th chapter of 2 Corinthians. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. Now this is concerning... Paul is addressing the, the concerning the, the collection, the, the collection that was to be given to the poor folks back at Jerusalem. And he felt needful to write to the Corinthians because they had promised to, to give towards that, but they hadn't received yet. So Paul is addressing that issue and he's, he says, we're sending unto you Titus and and these others. For indeed, he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. <laughs> and we have sent with him the brother, these other two brethren, you'll find they don't mention it in name, but they mentioned that they had a good report, they had a good testimony in the things of God, whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Notice they were chosen by the churches. What's that tell you? It tells you they had a good reputation. They had a good name. They had such a good name for this matter that was before them, the handling of this money. And you want people with a good name, good reputation, that are honest to handle the money. 
avoiding this, this is why we sent to you, sent to you Titus and a brother and another brother. This is why. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, providing for honest things not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. I've had folks tell me, well, you know, it doesn't matter. God sees, God knows. Well, listen, so do men. And that's why we're even commanded in the book of First Thessalonians in chapter 5 and verse 22, I think, avoid the appearance, all appearance of evil, wickedness. If, it, if it's going to appear evil, if, if another man can say something evil against you about from that appearance, then we ought to avoid it. Whatever it may be. <laughs> Example. That's why we have at least two brethren to count the money that comes into the church. It's, it's so that there's no appearance of impropriety there. So Titus had a good name. If you read on, this brother had a good name, and if you read on, another brother that was sent along had a good name, was well reported of as well. The church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to have a good name. In fact, it's very important. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. Now I know at, at the writing of this, the Sermon on the Mount, and the time it took place, and the, there's some... It's, it's kind of hard when you read through the Gospels. It's kind of hard to tell just exactly when this Sermon on the Mount took place. But at least, at least as it is set here in, in Matthew, we understand that, that the church wasn't fully constituted yet, but church still today is not fully constituted yet. The Lord's still adding to the church as it pleases Him. But we know that at least four, Peter and Andrew, and James and John, here in Matthew, had already been called by the Lord. They were apostles. They were first members of the church the Lord Jesus Christ built and established. But there were other disciples present. Verse verse. 13. It says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. 
A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Yet your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Listen. <laughs> Say, folks, are to be salt. And they're light. They are salt and they are light. But just as a light shines brighter, Brother Jesse, get this, because that goes to the lesson this morning, Psalms 119 and 105. There's a difference between lamp and light. Light shines and it gives light to a small area. But when it's set in the lamp, on a candlestick, it gives light to a broader area, to a wider area than just the light. Every one that is born again, every child of God is a light. But if they want it to shine brightest, they put it in the candlestick. And the candlestick is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same way we saw it. <laughs> It's going to be the saltiest or it can be of the most use, best use. And that's in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important. Let your light so shine. Listen, our light is shining. But I have to ask myself, and you need to ask yourself, is it so shining? <laughs> what kind of light is it putting forth? You know, the old fuel, coal, lamps. Now, wick, with a wick soaking up the oil, and you'd light that. You know, boy, it shone brightly. Until the globe starts to get smudged up, the filth, until the wick gets over, and sometimes the wick needs trimmed, sometimes the wick needs cleaned in order to shine, get the good flame going and shine more brightly. That's the way our lives is. That goes to our Sunday school lesson this morning. Psalms 8611, Psalms 119, 105, Psalms 19, verses 7 through 11. You see, to keep our light shining brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ. We have some examples here in Scripture that not all of them were good examples. Revelation chapter 2. Now the Ephesian church had had a good name at one time. As we're studying the book of Ephesians on Sunday's afternoons, the Ephesian church had a good name then. We have a church that loved God, loved one another, 
But notice what he says here in chapter 2 and verse 4. Nevertheless, I have... Who does? Jesus Christ. I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Well, what's their first love? Uh, towards God. As they left their first love, their love towards God, their love towards one another lacked. Burned dimmer, didn't it? Their love towards God was not on fire. It wasn't warm, as warm as it should have been anymore. As hot as it should have been. And so their love towards one another wasn't what it should have been anymore. They were in danger of losing their good name. That's not a good, good pronouncement that was pronounced upon them. Also, the church of Pergamos. What is said concerning them in verse 14? But he said, I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. Now, you know what Balak did? <laughs> because he couldn't curse Israel. He told Balak, he says, he told Balaam, he says, now you, what you do is you just go in here and your daughters marry their sons, and your sons marry their daughters. And God will curse them. And we do that too, don't we? That's a, that was a sin pronounced against Pergamus. You don't, you don't have to practice that. Oh, you're, you're going overboard on that, brother. You don't have to get that holy. To that, I just say, well, how holy is God? God's holy. And the best I do is not holy. Well, there's another one. Church of Thyatira. Now, verse 20, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to 
seduced my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. This woman Jezebel said to them, the wife of the pastor in the church at Thyatira. And she was causing people to worship Baal. Committing spiritual fornication. Serious matter. Brethren, we have churches, and I'm not calling by name. Because you probably know of them. You probably know of the pastors. They're allowing bail worship to go on. You are wondering what's bail worship. Well, they brought Christmas cantatas, mm-hmm. Easter cantatas, mm-hmm. right into the church assembly. That's bail worship. That's Babylon. Now you know that's going to be destroyed in the book of Revelation? The 18th chapter? Sardis. Look what it says concerning Sardis. Chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest. And aren't dead. They weren't completely dead. He says you're just about you're just about gone. Because he says in the next verses, he says, strengthen that which remains. I have to ask you today. This Grace Baptist Church. I know they have a name that they live. But are we dead? Are we dead? Are we just about dead? Or does there need to be a strengthening of the things that remain? Well, we know about the church at Laodicea too, don't we? What he says concerning them. Verses 15 and 16 in the same chapter. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. Would thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm. That's what it means not to be cold or hot. You're just right in between. You're just lukewarm. 
You like hot milk or you like cold milk? I dare say you don't like lukewarm milk. Right? He said, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. <laughs> Listen, they were so bad. You read on down there. They, the church that lay out of sea was so bad that the Lord said, I'm on the outdoor knocking. On the outside of the church door knocking. Anybody inside here? If you hear inside there, church, if you hear, come and open, and I'll come in to you. The one opens. Now it's up with you. Is that Grace Baptist Church? Is Jesus Christ on the outside knocking? Waiting for one, just one, to hear and to open to him? Well, seven churches, chapters two and three, five of them, they didn't have such a good name anymore. But two of them have a good name. Verse 8 of chapter 2. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. Oh, they didn't have much in this world's goods. But notice what he said in parentheses. But thou art rich. <laughs> in other words, they were rich toward God and the things of God. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So Smyrna had a good name. Philadelphia also had a good name. Chapter 3 and verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. He <laughs> kept his word. All of it. Not just, not just a little portion of it. You see, a lot of our Baptist churches today are just keeping a little portion. Things, the portion of God's Word that they delight in, that they really like, you know. But they're failing in the rest of it. And let me tell you, they don't like separation, holy living. They like doctrines of grace. That's what they like. It doesn't even matter. It, it doesn't even matter 
whether you believe all the rest of the truth or not, if you believe the doctrines of grace, they like you. Yeah, they've embraced reformers. Oh, the Church of Philadelphia. They kept the word of the Lord. In verse 10 it said, Because thou hast kept the word of the Lord, of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. <laughs> so you're going to keep his church from the time of tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, the time of desolation, <laughs> whatever name you know him by, he's going to keep his church from that. Who is it that makes up the Lord's church? Who is it? Myself and you all through members of this body. You make up the Lord's Church here in the Melbourne area. Does it matter to you what kind of name you have? Does it matter to you what kind of name Grace Baptist Church has? Because see, you're Grace Baptist Church. I'm Grace Baptist Church. <laughs> and as my name is, so is the name of Grace Baptist Church. As your name is, so is the name of Grace Baptist Church. Does it matter to us? Look with me in the book of Acts. Chapter 6. In verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. If that was needful in Grace Baptist Church of Melbourne, Florida, would you be one of those men? Would I be one of those? Are you a member of such in Grace Baptist Church? Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 56. Just way of comparison. Isaiah 56 and verse 5 says, Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place 
and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Are we aware of that? Are we aware of the fact that we're going to have a, a name which is better than the name? In fact, I think it's the book of Revelation says we're going to have a name which no man knoweth. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. This church at Antioch. Barnabas was sent from Jerusalem down there to investigate. Heard that there were some saved folks down there. And they went down there to investigate and to strengthen the work and to organize into a church. And when he was done with that organization, he went up to Tarsus. What do you suppose he went up to Tarsus to find? Well, Saul had, had been told to flee to, back to his homeland, back to Tarsus. After salvation, after preaching and getting the Jews riled up in Jerusalem and some of the Jewish brethren even, and the Jewish brethren come to him in and, and the church there and told him, you, you need to get out of here, they're, they're going to kill you. And so he went back to Tarsus. And Barnabas went up to Tarsus for to find Saul. Verse 26 says, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians, First, in Antioch, members of Grace Baptist Church, as we're out here going about our business, would people say, there's a Christian. There's a Christian. There's a Christian. Or would they not know us as being any different from anybody else? These folks had a testimony at Antioch. They're Christians. They're Christ-like. They, they lived a manner of life, a behavior that was Christ-like. And so they were called Christians, which means Christ-like. Last of all, closing, Philippians chapter 2, in verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. <laughs> Amen. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored. In vain. Shall we stand? Have a song in closing, Brother Mike.